Welcome to the latest episode of the Edgar Rice Burroughs mini podcast. These short podcasts are meant to supplement the full-length episodes that I do with Scott Stewart and Jess Terrell, in which we generally talk about one of Edgar Rice Burroughs books in detail. My name is Tim DeForest. I'm the author of several books about what I call pre-digital pop culture, things like the pulp magazines that Burroughs was published in, old-time radio, classic comic books, old uh, B-movies, and so on. And I keep a blog about such things at comics, old-time radio, and other cool stuff. Right now, we're using the mini-podcast to do a chapter-by-chapter summary of the 1912 novel A Princess of Mars. Please note that we will be including spoilers both in, uh, regarding the chapter that we're discussing today and for the rest of the book and possibly for other books in the series. I would also recommend that you reread today's chapter before listening to the podcast, as I will be assuming that you are familiar with the events we are discussing. Today, we'll be covering chapters 18 and 19, and these two chapters are wonderful examples of great storytelling. We meet the Warhoon, and Burroughs is careful to present them as much worse than the Tharks. The Tharks had been the nominal bad guys so far and were a cold and violent culture, but they had a system of justice to which they rigidly stuck to, and they treated John Carter reasonably well, even though he was officially a prisoner. But the Warhoons seemed to live in near chaos, with frequent duels leaving a trail of death among them. The habit of wearing human skulls and dried human hands as ornaments highlights this cruelty. And the fight between Barcomus and Dakova is icing on the cake in this regard. It's a vicious, animalistic battle, and the image of Dakova winning the fight by gutting his opponent with his unbroken tusk is one of the most brutal scenes in the book. And where John Carter was given relative freedom by the Tharks, the Warhoons toss him into a dark dungeon, where he nearly loses his sanity as time goes by. Now, there is an overall storytelling purpose behind the imprisonment, that, uh, that in that it allows time to pass so that Dejah Thoris's situation in Zodanga has time to develop. Now, Burroughs puts a lot of creepiness into John's ordeal in the dungeon, with the death of his jailer and the unknown creatures dragging off the corpse, making this part of the novel essentially a horror story. Cantos Khan's arrival in the prison allows for some more exposition. In fact, his tale of the fate of the airship convoy that carried Dejah and Cantos's later participation in the search for her is succinct, but it feels epic. It's an adventure that probably could have been expanded into a novel of its own. He also tells us of the existence of Zodanga and the status of that city as an enemy of Helium, which tells us much of what we need to know to follow the events of the novel's climax. By the way, in the 2012 movie John Carter, which I think was visually perfect, but badly flawed in how they adopted, adapted the story, Katos Khan is a deadpan starker who constantly makes jokes. For some reason, that felt right to me. I don't know why. In the novels, Katos Khan is a brave, a skilled warrior, and a loyal friend to John. There's no indication he was a smart mouth. But there's something about this portrayal in the novel that makes this smart mouth behavior in the movie seem appropriate. Once again, don't ask me why, because I honestly can't say. I just wished that so much of the rest of that movie hadn't felt so wrong. Anyway, back to the novel. Chapter 19 ends with a day of battles in the arena. It's an exciting set piece that helps establish John Carter as a brilliant swordsman whose earth muscles give him a decided advantage in a fight. 
We also see another example of how John Carter is able to think quickly, even in the midst of a fight, when he comes up with his let's fake my death plan that allows both him and Kantos Khan to get free of the war horns. These two chapters together are fast paced with lots of action, which while still moving the plot along and providing exposition without slowing down the story at all. It is just an example of great storytelling. That's it for now. Once again, my name is Tim DeForest. Please visit my blog at Comics Old Time Radio and other cool stuff. You'll also be able to find links to my Amazon.com author page there. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with another uh, mini podcast soon. And keep an ear out also for our full-length episode.